Welcome to the Be Real Podcast. I'm Diana Gasparoni. I'm a visionary psychotherapist, CEO, and founder of Be Well Psychotherapy and Be Her Programs. I am Ednisha Salisbury. I am a therapist, speaker, trainer, and co-creator of Black Woman Be Whole. Each week, we will talk about the journey of mental health wellness. We will talk about why your mental health is just as important as your physical health and the connection that being mentally well has on all areas of your life. We will be interviewing psychotherapists, doctors from both Eastern and Western disciplines, authors, change makers, thought leaders, and more. Our mission is to bring you information that is both thought provoking and encourages you to look closer at your mental and emotional well-being. We give you tips and insights to taking the next steps. If you have already gotten into the door, we'll get you to go a little deeper. Each week, we're going to have real conversations, helping you work through your mental wellness questions and reminding you that you are not alone. Mental wellness is our passion. We practice what we preach. It is our mission to touch as many souls as we can with this content and leading you to a place of mental clarity and well-being. So for the next hour, let's work together, lay back on the couch and get real. Diana, we are back for another week of Be Real. Um, I'm excited to be here this week. It's been a long week, and we should tell the listeners that we actually saw each other last week. We did. We did. For the first time, physically saw each other. We were with each other in a car (laughs) for hours. It was for hours. (laughs) Hours. For Borough Tour, we went to every borough. We did it. We saw. I didn't actually think we were going to be able to get through all of it, but we did do it. We did it five, four hours, five hours. Were we together? Yeah. Yeah. We, yeah. Mm-hmm. It was nice. We were just talking about how well of a job that we do balancing our friendship and our professional relationship. Right. And silver lining of a pandemic is spending <laughs> more time <laughs> with you for sure. And like our, our friendship is really, our relationship is really like, woo, it's just leveled up. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, for sure. Let's it was talk fun. about leveling up. Um <laughs> le- le- leveling up vacations. Let's let, let's talk a little bit about um what our vacations looked like before COVID and now during COVID. A lot has changed. A lot a has lot. changed. <laughs> our standards have changed. <laughs> what the, yeah, I think for me, I know we went on a we went on a vacation, we went on a road trip, which is normally not where I'm like vacation, get in the car. That's not how I do it. I like to pack my bag, go to the airport, get a cocktail, get on the plane, have somebody bring <laughs> me something to eat <laughs> and a, maybe a glass of wine, take a nap, watch a movie, not drive for two and a half hours or three hours. No. Mm-mm. I'd like to feel that full level experience of being taken care of as soon as I get into the airport. <laughs> and let me tell you, going on a road trip, you are not taken care of at all. You are taking care of everything. <laughs> it's a different thing. It's a different experience for sure. I mean, I will say that um, I still refuse to do a staycation before COVID, during COVID. Staycations have never been considered a vacation for me. Like I don't need time off to sit in my house. And now I've had seven months to sit in my house. I've been kind of on a staycation for the last seven months. So the last thing I would do is take time off of work to stay home. I do need to be on a plane and it usually consists of a beach for me. However, I have been on vacations. I went to Alaska before. So that was definitely not a beach vacation. I hiked Did a glacier. Did you do the- did you take the cruise or did you just go and? No, I just flew into Anchorage. Um, we hiked a glacier. We went on like a cruise when we were there. Um, it was beautiful. So I would say that all my vacations are not sunny weather, but generally I do like sunny weather and the beach. Yeah. And, and, drinks. Your, and your last vacation didn't really happen. No. So no, guys, we, told our, we told our listeners all about you going to Jamaica and um, it didn't happen, did it? No, because COVID tests take at least eight to 12 days in New York and Jamaica wants a test within 10 days of arrival. So because of that, I went to the airport and they would not let me on the plane. And I thought that I was going to just crack in a thousand pieces at the airport. (laughs) 
I told the lady, I was like, no, you don't understand, ma'am. I need this. I need this. <laughs> I need this. I need this. And she does. She does. You do need a real vacation. It's true. It is true. You do need um, a real vacation. You know, we'll, we'll get them sooner than later. Uh, Mexico's still open to us Americans. So I'm gathering that's going to be the next vacation. Ooh. We don't have many choices here. <laughs> No, we don't have many choices. It's true. We don't have many choices as to where we can travel. And you can travel. It's a, well, wait a second. It's open to Americans. Is it open to New Yorkers? <laughs> yes, gonna let you they back. don't ask for tests. They oh. haven't asked for tests yet. I don't know if things are going to change, but they have not asked for a test. Okay. All right. So Mexico's on the table. Mexico's on the table. Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna start the planning now. We're gonna start. We're gonna get ahead of the game. We're gonna start talking about it. We're gonna let our listeners know. Um, you know, before you go, and now that we have seen each other, and like you, you're part of my pod. Um, <laughs> right, I can right because I have a very limited pod. I can bring you the shield that my mom sent you that came the day after you were supposed to go to Jamaica. <laughs> so I have it for you. Because she was listens and she's very con- she was very concerned about you getting on the plane. She did not send one for your partner for the hubs. He didn't right. get one. Just However, me. just I'll you. Be safe. <laughs> yeah, you'll be safe. She did. I, I think she's assuming that you're going to be sitting next to each other. So then, what will happen then is you'll have to sit in the aisle seat, right? Just with in case. the shield on is the way that I'm I'm imagining it. But it was she was very very concerned. So. Very thoughtful. <laughs> She's she can be very thoughtful. That mom, she's good. That peg, she definitely she definitely was listening and all the things, all the things. I had had another thought about the shield. Oh yeah, I had next week. I'm going on another road trip. At the beginning of the week, nice. I'm getting in my car, going on a road trip uh, for a couple of days, and in order to stay at the house, I had to get my first COVID test. So How was it? So unpleasant. So, so very much so unpleasant, but my, my doctor had jokes. He had lots of jokes and he, the reason I'm bringing, not only was it unpleasant, I want everybody to know who hasn't had one that is exceptionally unpleasant, but um, if you have to do it, you have to do it. He had on the shield. I was like, oh my goodness. He did look like he had on a hazmat suit. So (laughs) he had the shield and the goggles and the mat. He had the whole thing, shield, goggles, mask. All the things. So um, to the healthcare professionals, bless you, who are still, uh, they are still frontline workers because we are still going in and getting tested and doing all those things. And it's still, I mean, our numbers are very low up here, but he really was like, like straight out of a television show, I guess, like out of a movie, like a sci-fi movie. (laughs) I was like, okay. But yeah, got my tests. We got them back over here in three to five days. So I'm waiting for that to come back. And then I'm going to go on another road trip. No one is going to give me a cocktail when I get in the front seat of my car. So I will be driving sober, of course. And um, yeah, it won't be the same. But I am going to start to plan my get on a plane trip. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Get soon. On soon. A, soon. Now that I know that Mexico's open, we really like Mexico too. <laughs> Um, I'm not paying attention. I mean, I, you are paying attention to what's open. I am not. I am not. But I, I might. I might get a little Traveling bit is like a drug for me. Let's be clear. You know This that. is a I, very I, long yes. time for you not to have gotten on a plane. So I would like to see that happen. Yes. So we'll um, see. I'm super excited about our show today. Me too. Yeah. Um, our guest is making me really, like, I know that I've had a few of uh, age- ages ageist conversations with myself (laughs) (laughs) during during our little banter time but she's making me feel really good about being in my 50s also we should note that anisha has a time stamp on how old i am and i actually haven't aged (laughs) in her mind (laughs) and uh, give or take like five five, um yeah five years so which is also nice so that also warmed my heart i found that out earlier today um so why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about who our guest is today all right so our guest is lorraine c laddish she is a 21st century communicator 
She is helping to empower women and others to achieve their goals. She is the founder and CEO of Viva 50, which is a bilingual community that celebrates being 50 plus. She's worked as an editor and social media coordinator for a number of online publications. She's also a content creator and regular contributor to NBC News, HuffPost, ARP, Baby Center, and Mommy.me. She's also contributed to People in Espanol, uh, Purple Clover, Latina Magazine, and Red Book. And her latest book on embracing age was published by HarperCollins in 2017. So I can't wait to jump into this conversation. You guys are going to love it. I love her. She is inspiring me to live my best life at 42 and then again at 50 and 55 and at 62. So, <laughs> and to keep on going. That's right. What's your favorite line, Diana, that you say oh, before we get started? Oh, my favorite line. So grab your tea or depending on the time of day, glass of wine or your coffee. Uh, sit back and have a listen. As you know, I am a huge supporter of therapy. And if there was ever a time to prioritize your mental well-being, it's now. As the founder of Be Well Psychotherapy, I am proud to announce my team is leading the way in online therapy. Be Well is based in New York City, and we were one of the first practices to pivot to online therapy with the outbreak of COVID-19. With over 15 licensed therapists, Be Well offers a variety of methodologies and approaches so you can select a therapist that is a good fit for you. We help individuals of all ages, including kids, teens, couples, and wait for it, we even have online group therapy. There is no need to struggle alone with feelings of depression, anxiety, isolation, grief, or loss. To learn more, visit BeWellPsychotherapy.com or text BeWell, that's one word, to 484848 to get connected with a therapist today. Again, that's BeWellPsychotherapy.com or text BeWell, one word, B-E-W-E-L-L, to 484848 to get connected to a therapist today. And now back to our amazing show. So we are back for another week of Be Real. Agnesha is here. Diana, are you present today? You know what? I am super present today. I'm here. I'm awake. I'm caffeinated and I'm ready. So you are physically and mentally present. <laughs> yes, I am physically and mentally present today. Um, well, I'm excited about today. I'm always um, excited, but more so today than I have been in a while. <laughs> why don't you tell our listeners why? <laughs> well, we told them a little bit about Lorraine in the beginning, but uh, Lorraine's here with us and I'm going to let her just jump in right now. Good morning, Lorraine. Good morning. Thank you so much for getting up and hanging out with us today. Let's just jump right in and have you tell our listeners uh, who you are. I was thinking about that as I was getting ready and I didn't want to give uh, the regular answer I would always give. I am just a 57-year-old woman trying to get through the day just like everybody else. I'm a survivor. I'm a survivor of a 20-year-long eating disorder that almost killed me. I am a survivor of clinical depression, which is no fun. Thank you very much. I am the survivor of um, anxiety for life. I am the survivor of growing up without a mother, being raised by my dad. What well, he would be very upset if he heard that. <laughs> the survivor of being raised by my dad and my Spanish grandmother. And I'm the survivor of losing everything when I was 45. I found myself uh, the single mom of two little girls, four and seven, and I was on welfare and food stamps here in the States. I was born in Spain, but my mother's from the United States, so I have, uh, I'm bilingual, bicultural, multicultural. I was mainly raised in Spain, came to the States to visit many times, and then I moved here in 2004. When my little girl was born, I'm a mom of two girls. One is 19 and one is 16. I have a stepson who's in the middle. He's 17. I am married to the love of my life. And I think I can say that at this stage of life, of course, when you're 20, you think that. But when you're 57 and you've had you know, experience, <laughs> you can look back you're like, say, oh, yeah, at least um, so far. Anyway, so good. <laughs> 
And as far as uh, profession goes, I never finished college because of my eating disorder. Um, I wanted to be a psychologist, possibly to fix myself and my family. (laughs) Um, Never graduated, never finished. But I grew up in a family of writers. My grandfather was a very eccentric man. And but he taught me a lot of things. He was a painter. He was a uh, writer. He was a teacher of English when English was not his first language. Uh, He survived the Civil War in Spain. He was in a concentration camp. My dad uh, migrated to the States when he was 16. And that's how I got to be born here. Um, he got his PhD at a very young age. I mean, it was, you know, that different times, you know, at, at, at 18, I think he, or 19, he was already, a, a graduated at 20 some, he was a college professor and, and, and people thought that, you know, how can you be a teacher? You're younger than my kid. Anyway, at his age, I had no, I was, I was clueless. I was in the middle of this, um, eating disorder. I wanted to be a writer. My dad wanted me to be a marine biologist, um, uh, as I said, I did not become a, I'm, I'm just, you know, throwing all this stuff out there. But um, in the end, one thing I can say on looking back is that I would consider myself a communicator. And that is what I have done my entire life in different ways. Mm-hmm. So when there was no internet, when we didn't have cell phones, when I didn't even understand what a fax was, I couldn't understand how does, you know, they're going to sign something by fax. And I'm like, what does that mean? Does I mean, this thing to go through the phone line? How does right. that mean? I'm, so, I'm right there with you, girl. I know. I remember. But here's the thing that even when that was the case, I, this is who I am. I am this person who hated the idea of having a nine to five job so very much that I found a way to not do that for my entire life. And amazing. Well, it's amazing now, but when I was, <laughs> you know, 20, 21 and I couldn't hold a job, I just didn't want to, you know, even in, even in um, anything that I would enjoy, like an editor, a publishing house. And uh, I also worked at an advertising agency and uh, I was a fitness instructor and I did, you know, I did all these different things. And, but the only thing I couldn't stand was the fact that I had to go at the same time, see the same people every day. And when I was like a week later, you know, I can't do this. And they didn't understand. They're like, but you're good at what you do. You're, and I said, I, there's, I just can't do this. I just can't, I need to do it on my own terms. So I found a way to, um, back um, when I was, I think I was 23, I was um, doing translations and adaptations of TV, American TV sitcoms for Spain, which was pretty hard because you have oh. to, you know, um, you have to translate the culture as well. But I knew both. So that's an, that's an advantage. Bridging the, the gap. being that, that I was a telecommuter. And they didn't understand how I could do that. You know, I, I moved to a different city and I said... Um, please let me continue working for you. And they're like, oh, we can't do this. And I said, just let me try. So I would pay for a courier. They would send me the VHS or beta tapes. Um, I would, you know, translate on my regular non um, electronic oh, yeah. <laughs> you, were, you were the original virtual yeah. employee. So <laughs> I love imagine, it. Imagine what I could do when the internet came around. It was like, this was made for me. And when, um, you know, I made a a good living, as I said, um, you know, being a fitness instructor in an attempt to um, control my eating disorder and my mental health, I got heavy into sports too much at one point um, as almost as an an addiction. Uh, But it has served me well over my life to for a bunch of things, you know, to, again, keep my mental health healthy (laughs) (laughs) or semi healthy and uh, to keep my body healthy. Then when I moved to the States, I um, mean, you know, I wanted to be a young mother. And I said, if I weren't uh, a mother by the age of 25, I didn't want to be a mom because my dad and I have an age difference of 24 years. And I thought that was perfect. Well, of course, <laughs> ha, ha, ha. I did not have kids. <laughs> didn't happen on that timeline. <laughs> no, I was 37, almost 38 when I had my first one. And I was 40, almost 41 when I had my second one. So at 42, I was counting a baby and uh, running after a, a three-year-old and all that. And it was it was good. I didn't feel I was too old to have kids or any of that. And um, well, at one point I ended up in, in the States with my ex-husband. And although I am, you know, I'm an American citizen and I speak English and all this, um, or I think I do, (laughs) um, 
wide grasp for words here and there in both languages. But the point is that I wasn't uh, used to living here. So I had to face a whole new situation in midlife. Culture. Um, culture, all the rest of it, finding, you know, uh, ways to make a living here. When I had published books in Spain, uh, my first book was about my eating disorder. It did really well in Spain uh, because... Nobody thought that was a thing. Nobody knew about bulimia. Nobody knew about why. Well, not, not, not nobody, obviously, but you know, wasn't it large, right? No, wasn't as culturally no. talked about. We no, talk about it like a lot Lady here. Lady Di had it. Jane Fonda had it. That was something that you know a little bit. And I remember um, one publisher said, "Oh, you know, nobody's going to read this. It's going. Nobody's going to want to read this because this isn't a thing." But anyway, it was a good. It was a good book that did a lot for me and for many people. I think. I'm not starting my career as an author, but I always felt that I wasn't a real writer because I didn't write fiction, and that's what I really wanted to write. I ended up writing and publishing almost 20 books with publishers. It never occurred to me that you could self-publish. This is a good thing about being young and you have no idea that you can't do something, is that you just try. <laughs> no, you, you just try. Fearless. Uh. Fearless. I don't know yeah, if you know, that's I mean, gone away for you, by the way. <laughs> so um, like, I, I, I have a, I have a I sense that your fearlessness is still there. <laughs> no, no, no. On the contrary, I I did things in the past, um, you know, that I think about, like I bluffed my way through my first publication, was that I was 29 and I was thinking, I have to do something really significant before I turn 30. I haven't had kids. I haven't had a successful relationship. The milestones. I college, <laughs> right. Know, like, I the milestones are something. 30. So We're at like, like 30. And here's the thing, though, <laughs> that I did not feel old enough. So when I turned 30, I was like, yay, I'm an adult, finally. Because in Spain, they kept saying, yeah, you're 28, you're whatever. But I was doing work and doing things where people thought I was older. But then when they found out I wasn't, they were like, but how can you be so young and be doing all this? So I felt ageism in reverse. Like I was, mm. you know, so at 30, I was like, okay, finally, I can say I'm 30. I'm this grown woman, you know, hopefully, which now I don't mm -hmm. think so. But, <laughs> Uh, but I bluffed my way. I wrote this book about eating disorder because I knew that I wasn't going to write anything else unless that got out of the way. And then I wrote to publishers. I didn't have an agent. I didn't know what that was. Um, Spain is a bit different as well. So I wrote to publishers saying, by fax, which was so modern. <laughs> and I said, I'm, I've, I have this book, this manuscript about my experience and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, Lady Di had a, an eating disorder. So did Jane Fonda. And this is important, blah, 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 blah. But then I would fax TV programs, national TV programs in Spain saying, I wrote a book about... Uh, my eating disorder and then they would say well is it going to be published and I said oh publishers are considering it which was somewhat <laughs> true right you were anyway, cold calling so I got invited to the programs and then I would fax the uh, publisher saying I want to be on tv tonight and then they would see me and anyway long story short I got a bunch of offers for that book and I thought you know I did it I did it I did it and anyway that was good just, hustle um that's yeah that's that's that kind of sums up, I don't know, it's a survival instinct, I think, of, of how I operate in life. And to this day, like the, the year that I lost everything at 45, um, marriage, which was not going very well, but I gave it my everything. And to anybody contemplating divorce, I would say, give it your all because, not the divorce, the marriage, because <laughs> that way, when you divorce, you will know you did the right thing. So I have zero regrets for that because I did try everything. Marriage counseling included um, therapy for individually, you know, and, and um, seminars, what have you, everything. And I can say I gave it, I can tell my kids I tried it all. You, know? you tried everything. Yeah. yeah. And so in, in 2008, 2009, I suddenly know there's a recession um, and right. My ex didn't have work. I had lost all my gigs writing for newspapers, translating books, writing books, what have you. I had everything dried up. So I racked up a ton of debt just to keep the family going um, at the level of, you know, comfort that we were used to, which was a big mistake. And I realize that now I was on welfare. I was, um, I remember that my girls, uh, I didn't want to go back to Spain, which my dad had told me to go back because I grew up, as I said, without my mother and I did not want my kids to be away from their dad. So oh, right. I that's for them. Sure. And, and, and also, I didn't see myself as much as, you know, um, I, I don't feel that I belong 100% anywhere. And 
I was like, yeah, a woman my age in Spain, I, what am I going to do there? There's something about the American culture still, and I hope it stays that way, um, despite everything that's going on, is that it's still this land of opportunity if you know if you're a hustler in Spain uh you could be a hustler and I mean I I found ways to to make it work but it's harder it's much harder so I decided to to stay here you know I I had to sell my family's heirlooms because that was all I had I had no money I had no I had nothing one day I was you know this close to being evicted and I said um okay well you know what can I do now because I had help from my family a little bit, the welfare. And I remembered that I had a box of jewelry and I decided to sell the whole thing. I asked my grandmother who had given me a lot of the jewelry and she said, okay. Anyhow, that for me was like selling little bits of my life because every time you know, I was handing over all these things for, for the jeweler, they were just regular jewelry. For me, they were, oh, this is what they gave my daughters when they were born. This right. is the ring that my right. grandfather was there wearing. There was an emotional, yeah. This is, this is this. And they gave me um, enough money to pay rent. Um, and I don't wear gold anymore. Um, even my wedding ring is silver. And, you know, I don't know. I just um, realized that, you know, that, that things aren't as important as we feel they are. And that there's always a way that people will help you if you let them. And I started looking for work. Wasn't able so- to get a job. All right. Okay. Um, There's so, I want to start, I'm so engaged in your story and I'm like, okay, I'm going to stay in this story. So I want to circle back to a few of the things because yeah, yes, yeah. you are an incredible survivor. I mean, the, your stories are survival, but there it's, their stories of uh, strength, their story. I mean, survivor. Yes. But there's like so thriver. much thriver. thriver. Yes, exactly. It's um, there's a drive. There's a, a willingness. There's it's such an example of courage in every step of the way. Like, I mean, the story, just the story itself of like writing the book about your eating disorder, which is healing and like the hustle to get it out there. I mean, it takes a lot of courage to put yourself out there in that way. And like, Hey, by the way, this is my job, but I can do this too. Uh, Getting here, coming to America and then having all of it fall apart and then yeah. picking like and then picking yourself up and doing it again at 45 which i think for me when i think about how we culturally look at 45 it's not where we start over no. right and you no, really. and you no and you and your two kids started over it's such and you like reinvented yourself so i want to start at the reinvention of 45 like where cuz you all of your books cuz when i was looking for at your books they're all in spanish correct yeah, and other languages, which is and, very odd. It's like in Czech and in Portuguese. Right. So they've been <laughs> they've been reprinted in other languages, but they were all but not English. But not English. And now here you are in America. So everybody knows so people know who you are as an author in Spain. And here you are in America at 45. Like obviously that drive came with you at 45. But tell us about this reinvention because I love where you are right now at 57. So I want to start at 45 and get to here. So um, as I was saying, I made a living when I was here in the States already. Um, I made a living writing, still writing books for Spain, uh, translating books for American publishers. Um, The competition here is way fiercer. So, um, you know, anyway, I I did enjoy what I was doing. I was writing for the um, Palm Beach Post. And I really enjoyed it. I was not a reporter. They knew it and they hired me as one. And my editor was like 20 years younger than me. And she gave me the chance. (laughs) And I worked for them for four years from home. And I really enjoyed it. And um, Still virtual. Yes. The day that she (laughs) told me that I couldn't go on because nobody else was, I said, thank you so much for these four years. And she said, wow. That's been so easy. Everybody else has been bitching, you know, and, and here you're saying this. And, and I was like, well, what am I going to do? Yell at you? Curse? I, or it's not your fault, right? right? Anyway, let's go back to the story. Um, that's my half Spanish part, just the rambling. Um, so when I'm separated, no income with my children, I think I'm just going to have to do whatever. So, of course, I applied for all kinds of job jobs, and some of them were retail, some of them were in a hotel, some of them were um, at the local newspaper, but they weren't hiring. And I thought, well, I might as well work in a warehouse or whatever, you know, but anything, right? I didn't, but I wasn't qualified for any of it. 
I had not, I didn't have experience. So, and we're in a recession. And what am I going to do with my kids while I'm doing that at a minimum wage, right? So one thing that I've always uh, done in my whole life, looking back, I can see it. It's not like I made that decision. I can see this is what I've been doing, is prioritizing self-care, honestly. And while I was in the middle of all that mess, I, um, I love dancing as well. I've danced all my life. And so I signed up for these um, dance classes, LA style dance classes, which are very challenging, but I was up for that. And you might think, wow, that's frivolous as heck. You're on food stamps and you're going to dance classes, right? That was like the one thing I did every once a week where I could take my kids because it was like a social environment that was healthy, where I was learning something and where I forgot all my problems. And I socialized. Aside from getting really good at dancing, I um, met people there. And there was this young uh, entrepreneur who saw on Facebook, because Facebook was, you know, kind of starting for older right. people, you know, but 2008. gotten into it. And he said, wow, I've seen on Facebook that you're a writer and I need a writer. And I was like, oh, my God, he's going to give me some great gig. So he tells me, I have a coupon site, you know, for, for discounts and stuff. And I need a writer to write these little blog posts. And he would pay me 12 bucks a word, I think. I mean, a word. Goodness, no. Uh, 12 <laughs> that would have been amazing. No, no, $12 no, a word. word. Are you kidding me? That doesn't even happen now. No, I'd no. still do it. <laughs> it was 12 bucks per blog post. And he said, but they have to be SEO friendly search engine optimization right. friendly. I had no idea what that meant. So I was like, oh boy. Anyway, of course I did the freaking blog post. Of course I, you know, hammered them out like they were, you know, some kind of poetry. Right. And yeah. <laughs> getting those first checks for writing again, I don't care what I was writing, was it it really just like magic. That time that I was down and out, I kept a uh, kind of an online diary called Success Diaries. In Spanish, Diario del Éxito, I would do it bilingual. And it was the most unsuccessful time of my life. But it was a way to kind of hold myself accountable to maybe help somebody who was going through something similar. Mm -hmm. And for me, those successes were like getting out of bed in the morning. <laughs> right. Because to school. You know, um, just, uh, you know, not crying my eyes out that day, whatever, you know, it was, it was just the small successes because we think of success in big terms. And sometimes, you know, I think we should be celebrating those little small milestones. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. So, yeah. So that, that, that blog that did become uh, a book that I just paid the rent with, it wasn't a very big advance. It was just stuff that I did to kind of make money. So with that, those 12 bug blog posts, what happened was that by word of mouth, somebody said, oh, we know this woman who does great copy for websites. So I started doing that. It wasn't like, wow, because I was writing about toilets and bathrooms and right. uh, teeth, you know. <laughs> exactly. Whatever you can get a coupon for. <laughs> yeah, it was whatever, you know. So the point was that because I had made a lot of connections when I was working with the Palm Beach Post. Um, and a lot of people were hurting when the Hispanic and Latino um, community starting being a bit more um, visible to everybody. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of Hispanic digital publications were popping up and people would give me the heads up. Hey, look, there's this, there's that, there's something else. And so I applied to be uh, an editor at a now defunct website called about.com that then belonged to the New York Times. And oh, I, I, I remember about.com. Oh, yeah, yeah right. I yeah. remember about.com. Go so ahead. I applied for that. The application process was so grueling. Now, I don't, well, it's, I don't think it's the same anymore. But it took me a month and I had to learn HTML and I had to learn this <laughs> and how to make a website. And, how, and I thought, you know what? If I don't get the gig, at least I will know a lot about websites. Uh, of course I did. I did get the gig. It was not very well paid at all. 600 bucks a month, more or less. But I cried because that was my first like big income again. I had just um, then shortly after I had to file for bankruptcy. And um, in the middle of all this, I, I meet my now husband, 
who was also in a not very good place. He's also an artist. He also has a kid. He was also divorced. So he's also bilingual, bicultural. Like, it's almost like, whoa, like the heaven <laughs> sent me this man. Right, I met your, my soulmate. <laughs> 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 and so we kind of got through things together. He accepted me with all my um, trials and tribulations and, and vice versa. Um, and then, you know, very shortly after, I I started applying for writing again on bigger websites the pay was suddenly amazing and I was like wait a minute I can and then I started writing about everything I had gone through again you know like I wrote about my food stamp story I, I wrote about um I don't know a lot of stuff that that put me in the kind of like in a little spotlight that landed me uh a gig as editor-in-chief because I always want to be a contractor I always really like mm-hmm. to say that because I don't want to be on a payroll so I was the editor-in-chief of this website called Mommyverse uh, which is I like to make it multicultural not only about Hispanics so I had right. all, uh, any, everybody with any background any religion everything so um, I did that for two years and then when I turned 50 I was I got married um, after being together for I think five or six years and I was at a good place mentally, physically, physically. emotionally, professionally. And I thought, what can I do in the next five to 10 years that I'm so passionate about that I can take the crap days because we all have those. We have just had a beautiful overview of your amazing resiliency and how over the lifespan, we don't know A, what's going to happen at all, right? And we look back and we are like, oh, I've done this, this, this. And you have shown us an example of overcoming an eating disorder, overcoming anxiety, overcoming depression, overcoming a divorce, overcoming welfare, overco- I mean, overcoming bankruptcy. Oh, and like really being able to now, when we look at you as a 57-year-old woman who is thriving, I know I have, when I found you, I was like, oh, there's a kindred spirit. There's somebody who's not going to like, it's like the message. I remember when I turned 50 and I like two days before I turned 50, I was losing my mind because I was like, what? Something terrible is going to happen on Wednesday. I think my birthday was on Tuesday. I was like, something terrible is going to happen. And the whole world is never going to see me again. Like I'm going to disappear. And then like you go through menopause and you're like, okay, this is a mind fuck. Who, what, where was the memo on this shit? No one gave it to you. And you're like, okay, so I'm going to curl up in a ball and I'm going to cry. And then I'm going to have to get up and I'm going to go to work. It's like adolescence times 9,050. Still the messages are like, and who knows if the messages are in your head or if the messages, like the media and all the things, but you are really like creating a space in your, I mean, I follow you on Instagram and I've gone like, deep into your website, uh, but creating a space for aging that is graceful and beautiful and loving and open and that there's still so much more. So let's get there. <laughs> Cause I know that we've created a space for Anisha to be like, Oh, when I get there, it's going to be amazing. I get to keep going. So let's, let's start there <laughs> somewhere in fifties. So the thing is that I feel like I never had that feeling of when I turn 50, I'm going to disappear. I was too busy enjoying the good stuff that I Mm -hmm. had built for myself. And so that's why I started this website called Viva 50 bilingual, you know, for women. I thought Mm -hmm. it was for women over 50. And then my Instagram account, I've had that for 10 years. So it was like an evolution. It it just, Mm -hmm. it's just who I am, who I was 10 years ago, who I am now. So it's been evolving. And, but here's what happened to me personally is I got into the fifties thinking, here I am, whoever's not feeling great and looking wonderful and having all this, you know, wonderfulness in their life, they're something, they're doing something wrong. Right. Then menopause hit me like a ton of bricks from one day to the next. Yeah. Enter, um, well, you know, hot flashes and night sweats and anxiety again and mood swings and crushing fatigue and brain fog and everything. I kind of like the brain fog. I can't lie. I do. Like, (laughs) sometimes I'm like, oh, this is kind of nice. 
This part's kind of nice. I did not. I did not <laughs> enjoy it. And I'm, you know, I'm used to pushing myself, which is not always a good thing, but it um, it humbled me a lot. And then I had a health scare. I was this close to having colon cancer. And uh, through IBS symptoms that were completely unrelated due to stress, they uncovered the almost cancer. And I very fortunately sidestepped surgery after five colonoscopies where they took care of it. Anyway, all this and friends dying. Um, Mm -hmm. My best friend ever died two years ago. Soon it will be two years ago. And she will never be 57. Um, Anyway, so the point is that I come into my 50s like, whoa, this is the best thing ever. And then suddenly I'm like, oh, no, it isn't. And I'm like, okay, how can we make this work? Found yoga again because I had um, injured my hip in a marathon, at a half marathon at 48. And somehow fell into a yoga class. Loved it. I mean, I had been doing yoga since I was 12, but on and off, on and off. And then I just, because I'm obsessive and compulsive, I just went all into it. All in. It's not like I'm this disciplined person. I just learned how to take my obsessive compulsive personality and use it for creating content, being productive, building businesses, um, all this. That's that's my secret. That's it. And so I went so much into yoga that I became a yoga teacher. I didn't know that I was going to do that. And I, when my friend died, my grandmother died, and I had that scare, I signed up for that. And I did not only get a 200-hour um training which is the basic one I went full on to 500 and then I became a yoga therapist that's the next thing but I'm giving myself a break point being that I had never done like arm balances or standing on my hands or crazy stuff like that before I was 50 because just because you know I was an athlete in other ways I was a dancer but suddenly I started getting this kick out of doing this and posting it online and if I posted it with my age on it then people would be like what because you can tell them I'm sharp, I'm like this, I'm like that. But if you show them something, you know, as a storyteller, I've learned to show, don't tell, just show it. And then I was like, wow, this gives me this sense. Like I can't control aging. I can't control illness. I can't, to a certain extent we can, but to a lot of extent, you know, genetics or what have you, who knows, you know, a lot of things are just left up to chance. And I thought, but I can't control how I show up in life. And So what I've learned to do on that yoga mat is challenge myself. And that can happen on the yoga mat or in anything else. When Mm -hmm. I get into a handstand, for example, that I thought I wouldn't do until I was 60. My goal was to do it by 60. I did it by my 57th birthday, took the photo. (laughs) I I saw that photo, girl. I was like, you go upside down. I was happy for you. Yeah, I I was happy. Kicking off from the wall. No, I saw it. It was, it was you had to hang experience. it. You had to hang there so that you could get that photo taken. It, it wasn't was, just. It was like a spiritual experience, honestly. So here's a kicker, though, that when I do YouTube videos about how not to fear aging or I put these photos out there, I'm not inspiring women my age. I'm inspiring 20 year olds. Yes. 30 year olds. And I know this because they write to me and they comment and they follow. And then I also went from oh, my body is great and this and that to what the heck is going on. I'm, my skin is loose and I'm in downward dog and everything's hanging. And oh my goodness, well, people think I'm perfect. And when they see me at the pool, they're going to be so disappointed and see I'm this aging person. And then I was at the beach one day and my husband took a photo. He's my photographer, but he's a professional photographer. But this was a candid, not candid, because <laughs> I was posing, but it was like an iPhone photo. And I expected mm-hmm. to see this wonderful picture. And then I saw the sagging stomach and I saw the, you know, wrinkles on the creepy skin. And, and I was like shocked. But then I thought, you know what? I'm probably not alone. You know, it can't, it, it, all these other people my age who are posting fitness photos, I mean, they have to be airbrushed because there's no way. <laughs> okay. So I do want to say <laughs> that this p- photo of you, I for sure, my full-on fangirl crush set right in. I was like, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Because, yes, I'm in Downward Facing Dog, and I'm looking at my thighs, and I was like, those are not the thighs that started practicing yoga at 25. Hell no. That experience of, like, acceptance, and I think the day that I saw it, I was like, 
what like I am I gonna put on a bathing suit this year? Like, am I gonna do it? And then I was like, Oh, Lorraine, thank you. I am. I'm gonna put on a bathing suit. I appreciate you. Yeah, it was perfect. Oh, I'm so glad. Well, see, mm-hmm. I didn't do it so much for other people as I did it for myself because it was sure. like, I I spent 20 years of my life with an eating disorder, hating my body um, and myself, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I am in a really good place, have 20 years of recovery. I am not going to go back down that lane again. And it is it could be very easy because obviously, you know, our bodies are always changing and, um, you know, we evolve mentally, emotionally, spiritually and physically. But for me, it was a turning point because I was not seeing and I'm not saying other women are doing it. Some are doing it. But for the most part, like I always say, I want people to see me, whatever they see in a picture. I want them like if they meet me not to be like, oh, my God, what happened to her? You know, or what the fuck, you know, like what's wrong with her face or whatever. You know, I want <laughs> whatever you see online. Hopefully when you meet me, that's what you're going to see in person. And that's my wish. And I do not, you know, who people who want to Photoshop their pictures and smooth out them out, whatever they want to do, that's their issue. I am not, um, you know, demeaning that in the least. They can do whatever they want. Um, I found myself Photoshopping my hands and taking a little bit out of here and doing this and doing that for sponsored photos because I get paid to uh, promote brands and things like that because of my presence online. And then after those photos, I was like, no, I am not covering my gray hair. I am not, um, which I'm growing it out, by the way. And, um, you know, there's a lot of things I just don't want to do, but I will continue showing up um, fully and embracing, you know, wearing beautiful clothes and makeup and also showing up the way I am. And I think that nowadays, young women like my 16 year old uh, have these examples of body positivity of, uh, you know, women their age or even older, but there are few older women who are in the middle. Cause it's like, almost like you're 40 and showing it and oh my goodness. And you're 70 and showing it. And, but what happens in the middle? And I want to be that right now, that middle person when I'm 70, if I'm still around, hopefully that 70 year old woman and beyond that shows up. However she is, because if life has shown me one thing is that it's unpredictable. And just two days ago, I found out of a blogger who was a fitness buff, yoga buff, this, that, the other, 58, died of a massive heart attack, boom. And that could be me. You don't know. My mother had a stroke when I was 28, you know, there's when she was 28, sorry. And, you know, it's it's just so for me, showing up the way I am is the only way I really know how to be. Because for my mental health, if I have to be worried about what people are going to say, oh, Lorraine's really like this. She really has mental issues. She, my ex could be like, oh, well, she takes pills for mental health or what have you. I've already told you. So right. I don't have to live in fear of, oh, my God, they're going to find out. Or, oh, my God, they're going to find out that I'm really not that great. I'm, I don't have to because what I show is hopefully for the most part what I really am. For the good, I think that. For me, you definitely show who you really are. And as a 42-year-old woman, you inspire me. Um, you show me that, like, it's so at 50, I could be sexy. I could be carefree and fun and athletic and strong yet soft. And I don't think I see a lot of that. I think for so long, especially American society, has told us that when you get that age, we don't want to see short skirt anymore, right? Like, we don't really want to see you kind of outliving your life. Like, you should be figuring out what it is like being an empty nester or figuring out what it's like being a grandma. Right. But I don't feel that from you. It feels just so carefree. And, um, I, I thank you for that. Looking through your Instagram, it was so inspiring. And, you know, I think that at 42, I'm always like, I should have did this earlier. I should have did that earlier. But listening to you today, I feel like, no, you can do that for the next 20 years, whatever it is that you decide to do. Yeah, I appreciate that so much. And I think that women out there are looking at you and seeing your life and realizing that I can have something different. Wherever my starting point is, I can end somewhere different. Yeah, and I it's interesting because I'm 57 and I do not feel that I have peaked yet. And I have a six and good some figure business. Um, I make a full-time living being a a content creator. I don't want to say an influencer because I also write for publications and do a number of things. And now I also do yoga and all this stuff. But the point being that I still have a lot left in me to do. And I think I also get that from like, 
I think when you have uh, projects, when you have, you know, hopes and dreams and all of this, that never stops. Like my dad's 82 and he has a number of health problems. This is why I know that even though he would, took care of himself all his life and, you know, this happens, um, but he still writes books. He still compiles dictionaries. He's a lexicographer, compiles dictionaries. And, you know, he's very active. Uh, he has an Instagram account. He does, you know, he's- Oh, right. We, we I've talk, seen him on Instagram. We talk. <laughs> You know, he's even parts of some of my promotions. I'm like, oh, daddy, you know, you, can you help me with this? Because I'm not a grandmother, but I need a grandfather in the picture, and that's you. <laughs> so, um, you know that my my uh, father-in-law passed in January. He was a journalist. He was, uh, you know, he, he worked until he died. He was still, like, on his, literally on his deathbed. And, and, and to his, my, my mother-in-law, he was still... Um, telling her what he wanted to change in his latest book. I've been very fortunate to be surrounded by creative people, but creativity in any form, it doesn't mean you have to be an artist. It just means that you have to, quite honestly, and, and I think, I've again, looking back, this is not what I plan to do, but it is mm -hmm. what I can, the pattern I see in myself is that I, I have, you know, when people tell me, oh, you're so lucky you work from home, you do what you like, you just post pictures and you get paid for it. And I'm like, that's there's a lot of work behind that. But it, it, my desire to do what I wanted was so, so big that I, I've worked very, very hard to, to do what I want to do. You can feel that. You can feel that in, like, it, for real, like if people are, if you're really paying attention to your content, you know that I, I saw one of your stories recently um, and you were walking through your house and you were talking about the gifts that you get and who you yeah. take gifts from. And it's very thoughtful. It's very, um, uh, not thoughtful. I know I was going to say thoughtful, mindful, um, same words, but that it's compassionate. Like you're thinking about like, I'm going to, if I'm going to take something from a larger corporation, I know that they can afford it. If it's a small business, I'm not going to take it, but I am going to promote the business. Like you're really thinking about the way that you're curating your a, your content, but your life. And well, I, feel I was I was on food stamps. I know what exactly. It's like to, you know, I know I know what it takes. And if a local company wants to send me, like somebody wants to send me flowers, somebody else wants to send me art, somebody else wants to send me shoes, and I was like, please save it. You know, I yeah, I don't want it because I'll go buy it. You know, it's not if yes. I can do that. It's and it's not because I'm a saint. I can be. <laughs> no, it, well, it doesn't feel it does. There's no martyrdom in it. I, it's very, it's very, it, it isn't. It's you feel like this is your give back. Like you, you were yes. there. You yes. were that person. This yes. is my give back. Like I'm going to give back because I can. And somebody yes. helps, yes. and it, it, you can feel that somebody helps you along the way. And that is where oh that mindset comes so from. Many yes. people. Yeah. yeah. And so it's such recently, a just a week ago, I think, or two weeks ago, I was able to pay back four hundred dollars that somebody forgot they lent me twelve years ago. <laughs> I found her on LinkedIn and she thought it was spam because I was like, give me your PayPal address. And she's like, Yeah, right. <laughs> but that felt so good. You know, that that that's that makes me feel good. You have such a message of like just self-care, self-awareness, and self-acceptance. And I think that it's really showing. I think women out there are really taking it in and really appreciate that. Thank you. You know, the, the funny thing is that self-care, um, as we were talking about before offline, it, it's something that I don't, I was saying I don't know why, um, that it's always been there for me. I don't know why. And it was like a, a survival instinct. I tried to instill in my daughters when they were babies, you know, even when they were babies, I was like, mommy needs to run. Boom! Both of them going to the stroller, and we run <laughs> out the door. So when I was, they were older, they would say, "Mommy, I think you need to go for a run," because they could see that I was. So you know, now they take care of themselves, and I keep telling them because I don't know when I'm going to be gone. And I remember my friend Belinda, who left um, died two years ago, and she left two children. And I'm like, I have to tell these girls everything that I believe is important, so they will, you know, stay with that message and and be there for themselves. It's such a powerful message to you for mothers of daughters that you are showing the women who you are raising that self-care is important and they will in turn do it with their own daughters. But as women, as younger women are following you and looking at this self-care aspect and what it means and that it is second nature, that you are, that you are 
who you are supposed to take care of. Yes. <laughs> like, yes. No one else is going to do know, it for it's you. Like when I've seen my kids struggling, I was the first one to offer therapy. When I was a child, that was and, and a teenager and a young adult that would that carried so much stigma that I did it behind the back of my family. And I don't want them ever to feel that way. It's I want them to feel it's normal to, you know, it's normal not to be okay. And it, but it's also your responsibility to take care of that. And, um, you know, so it's it's a daily thing. And for me, like just to see just for a little bit of context, my 19 year old uh, left home at 18 and she's not in college right now, but she's living the life of adventure that she always wanted to live. Uh, she's right now in California, but she's been traveling in Europe with her own money, mostly that she makes babysitting or, you know, bartending, not bartending, but in cafes or whatever, you know, and, and she's really good with money and she's really good at living, what, doing what she wants to do. And whenever I've thought of this, like, oh my God, I miss her. And why did I raise this person? <laughs> <laughs> why did I, why did I raise myself? Why did I raise somebody in my, my, um, yes. <laughs> when she asks me about things, um, you know, I think, what would I tell a person her age who is not my daughter? Mm-hmm. And then I tell her that because otherwise I, you know, I, my, my nature would be like, oh, but it's like, man, you're living the life that I would want any young person to live. And I would tell them to go do what you're doing. So it's hard. It's not, it, it's not like I don't care, you know, and I'm so happy that it's, it's, it's always work and about self-acceptance. That's work as well, because mm-hmm. one day I could be feeling on top of the world. The next day I think I'm, you know, worth zero. And that's just also like, if, if I've always been neurotic and I finally made friends with my neuroticism and understood mm-hmm. it and was able to, well, I don't know that I understand it, but I'm able to sit with it. And say, okay, I'm having this weird week where I'm having these thoughts and not feeling mm-hmm. worthy and this and then the other. But I know it's gonna go away <laughs> because it is. right because it goes away. <laughs> yeah, just sitting and yeah. hold and like, okay, the, the here are my neuroses coming up, do 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 do, and then they'll and leave. They do, and they yeah, do. They know? do. And, uh, you just have to give them the space to go out. Like correct. Whew. Yeah, I used not to, hold on to you them. know with. With eating disorder um, and acting it out, it was just like any other addiction. My sister had an alcoholic. She was an uh, active alcoholic, and she's been in recovery for half her life, alcoholic half her life. So, I mean, we have a lot of that in our family. So, But the thing that I see is um, that what matters is that you show up for yourself every day, no matter what. And sometimes that's just um, doesn't look the way you thought it was going to look like. Sometimes it's messy. Sometimes it's uncomfortable. Yeah. But now I can sit with those feelings instead of numbing them with food, with alcohol, with what have you. Lorraine, you are a breath of fresh air. Thank you thank so you. much for spending time with us today. So um, we no, are at the end. You. No, this is great. I, thank you. We could, we'll do this all day. <laughs> Back <laughs> and you. forth. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So at thank the end you. of every, <laughs> thank you. At the end of every episode, we wrap it up by Anisha asking you two questions that are completely off topic of what we've talked about. So mm. she has planned them. She thinks about them and I don't know what they are. So she's going to ask you our two final questions and go Anisha. What are today's questions? So today's questions, the first one is how have you been kind today? How have I been kind? That's a hard one. I don't think I've been kind today. Well, I, oh, you know what? I went into my daughter's uh, room this morning and asked her how her day was going while she there was in school. And listened to her when I really felt like closing the door and just going. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Thank yeah. you for your honesty, Lorraine. Yeah. <laughs> and one more. Have you ever dined and dashed? What is this? Ah, no. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, I'm whispering behind (laughs) Have you ever eaten at a restaurant and walked out on the bill, basically? Oh, hell no. I would never do that. I think, I believe in karma. I am like, if they, if they, you know, give me too much money back, I'm going to go give it back. And I just, yeah, no, 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 no. I believe strongly. I know I can't. No, never. Okay. people have with that question lorraine <laughs> Wait, yeah we've had said that they do that yes really yeah. yes they have it's a thing but when they were it's younger or yes it's mostly when it's for the most part it's when they're young they're like 
teenagers or in early college. And then they like, although we did have somebody tell us that they were on a date waiting for the bill and the bill didn't come. And so they, they, it was like a first date and then they left. It was, that one was funny. I was like, I think you can go back. Anyway. <laughs> Thank oh you so God, much. It's so, <laughs> I know. It's it's <laughs> um, but thank you again. Uh we really so much appreciate your time. Um and before we you, where can people find you? Just tell us your Instagram handle. Lorraine C. Laddish. But if you Google me Lorraine Laddish for better or for worse, you'll find me in a bunch of places. I've had people that I don't want to find me find myself. There you go. Okay. <laughs> and thank you so much, my friend, Viva 50. I mean, I'm in. Thank okay. you. Thank, thank you, Lorraine. Um, and Anisha, you ready? We're still living yes. in a pandemic. So Thanks. stay safe. Wash your hands. And wear your mask. Please. <laughs> Please wear your mask. Okay. Thank oh, you so much. We're going to stop here and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Be Real podcast. Stay connected to us and subscribe to Be Real wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you are feeling it, how about a five-star review? If our conversation sparked a question, join us in the Be Real podcast Facebook group. We hope that you have walked away with some new insights, curiosities, and ideas to better help you on your journey to mental wellness and overall well-being. I encourage you to go to BeWellPsychotherapy.com and check out our services and programs. Again, that's BeWellPsychotherapy.com. Okay, we have to stop here, but I'll see you next week.